Uh, we are wrapping up Romans chapter 12 today. Uh, thanks so much for the opportunity to, to be away last weekend. Uh, Amy and I, as well as one of our kids, our daughter Carrie, were in the Columbus area. We had a, my niece was getting married, so I had the, I had the uh, privilege of being able to lead in the ceremony uh, for my niece at her wedding to marry uh, Taylor, who's her name in KC. And so uh, some of you know I'm from a big family. I'm the fifth of seven kids, and it's not always, not, not, very often that all seven of us are in the same spot at the same time, but we were last weekend, so it was a great time to be able to see all my family, hang out with my dad, and so uh, it, was, it was a wonderful time to, to do that. Romans 12 is where we've been in off and on for the last about five or six weeks. We've taken a couple of breaks for it from even from, from within that with our guest speaker, Pastor Charles, last week and then when we had our baptism. But if you remember, we began this, this chapter in Romans by this call that Paul had on our lives, on the lives of those ancient believers, to surrender, to surrender our lives completely and totally, to be transformed. To not be conformed, but to be transformed. So we present our bodies as living sacrifices. So that idea of surrender is where we began this chapter. And then we took a couple of weeks uh, to take a look at koinonia, how, how we are to be involved in it personally, how we relate to other people in the body of Christ. And what I shared with you last week, if you, or two weeks ago, if you remember, in Romans 12, 9, uh, Paul transitions and uses for the first time in that, in that letter, he uses uh, to refer to the way we have demonstrate love to other human beings. He uses the word agape, which is a, a word that's oftentimes reserved for the kind of love that God has for us, that perfect, unconditional, never-to-be-quenched love. And he used that to challenge uh, the believers in the way that they would relate to each other. And we're going to continue with that today, and we're going to kind of, as it says in your notes, we're going to take it up a notch. Uh, oftentimes in Scripture, especially in the teaching of Jesus, it's just like, this is what you kind of expect. Like, you know, there were, there were certain followers of Jesus who might come up to him and say, hey, Jesus, like, when I have to forgive someone, like, you know, do I, if I forgive them like seven times, is that enough, Right? And he, he, that guy, that follower of Jesus that asked him that was thinking that he was actually like showing himself to be pretty pious, pretty holy, pretty righteous in saying that because it was only really required to, to forgive three times. And Jesus says, well, uh, it's actually 70 times seven. And Jesus' point was to say, you just are to live in this attitude for, of forgiveness always. So this idea of this next level kind of walk with Jesus is where we're going to take it, and it's, it's related to the way in which we demonstrate love to something that, the kind of people that we oftentimes encounter early on in our lives. There are people who are not so nice. It doesn't take, right, preschool, kindergarten, at least by second grade, you figured out not everybody likes you. And in fact, some people want to hurt you, right? And then we really learn that over our course of our 30 or 50 or 70 or 80 or 90 or beyond years. We figured out that, you know what? There are people who are evil. There are people who are hurtful. There are people who, let's just say they're not our friends. I don't know if you want to label them as enemies or what, what kind of, a, what kind of a, a, you know, adjective you want to attach to them, but there are people with whom we have difficult relationships. Now, if you're sitting next to them, do everything in, within your power to not make eye contact with them right now, okay? 
If you're looking at him right now, have a big smile on your face and fake it till you can make it with the guy that you're looking at. Whatever the case might be, and you might even have somebody in your mind right now. Might be somebody that lives close to you. Might be somebody that you've encountered online. Might be some famous person that you really dislike uh, a lot. It might be somebody at work. It might be somebody in your neighborhood. I don't know, but this, this stuff is, is, is real, right? And so as we move throughout this text today, there's going, to be your, there's going to be a simple choice for you to make. Choice number one, you can choose to respond to them in the normal natural way, which by the way is the way that most of us respond. The normal natural way, that's that first heading there in your notes if you're taking notes. Or by the grace of God, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, in fact, I don't think it would be, maybe I shouldn't use the word miraculous, but it's something near that. You can respond in the abnormal supernatural way. So you can either do what your strength gives you the ability to do. And some of us are a little bit more gracious, a little bit more tolerant, a little bit more, have a little bit, you know, tighter filter with our words and our body language, right? And others of us, it's just like, man, if we open our mouth, uh, something is going to come out that's probably going to be hurtful with the hurt that we are experiencing. So regardless of whether you're, you, you know, you rather really have a, a, a bent toward, toward kindness or not so much, this is not about you digging down deep into your, into your heart and saying, I'm going to be a better person. It's not about you doing what only you can do. It's about saying, I'm going to choose to respond in a manner that is only done through the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Now, that's an incredible challenge. And as you see these words on this page, please remember that I'm just the messenger, right? These are God's words himself. And so they're going to be incredibly challenging. You might eye roll a little bit as I go throughout this message. And I get that. It's a normal, natural response. But I'm just going to invite you to consider whether or not God could be calling you to live into this reality that Paul challenged those ancient believers with. And I believe he's challenging with uh, us with that same thing today. So I'm going to begin in verse 14. I'm going to pick that up. I know we actually already covered that verse a couple of weeks ago, but it, it kind of relates to our subject matter today. So we're going to look at verse 14, then we're going to jump down to 17 and read through 21. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version there in your notes. So you can pull that one up on your phone or whatever one you prefer. Let me read those verses to you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, as so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Pray with me for a sec. God, we thank you, kind of, for this passage today. This is not easy stuff. 
And I pray that your voice would be what we hear today. And I pray that your challenge would be what we receive today. I pray, God, that as we move throughout this time, that we would just resist the temptation to resist. And we would allow ourselves, Lord, to be conformed by your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, to live in a manner that is beyond the norm, beyond the expectation, beyond the natural. Change us, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout the talk this morning, I'm just going to kind of flip back and forth between these things because what, what, what Paul does, and this is a, this is a literary tool, and I, I talked about this when we, when we looked at the passage a couple of weeks ago, where we have these kind of staccato imperatives that seem to be kind of disconnected, these staccato moral imperatives. And, uh, and these are a little bit more connected, but as Paul does these things, he's going to go back and forth between what we should do and what we should not do. And so I'm going to bounce back and forth between those as you're, if you're jotting down notes this morning. You can kind of work between those two headings. And the first thing we see about that abnormal supernatural way is that when we have people who are persecuting us, who are punishing us, who are doing anything evil and wrong to us, our response in that supernatural way should be to bless someone. Now when you think about what a blessing is, right, a blessing typically is you are praying the best for someone. That's what a blessing is. You are hoping for, praying for, and working toward the best for someone. And what, the challenge here is that this is not, again, most of us say we pray a prayer of blessing on our kids. We pray a prayer of blessing on our meal. We pray a prayer of blessing on our global partners like York standing up here. And we, we affirm, you know, sharing God's word on the, on the campus and, and, and all of those sort of things that, that we're aligned with. But here, the challenge in this supernatural, abnormal way is to bless people who are punishing us, who are hurting us, who are attacking us, to pray God's best for, for them. That's not the normal reaction, but instead, the normal reaction is to blast them, right? That's kind of a, a double entendre because many of you know what it means to put someone on blast. And that's not exactly what the scripture is referring, referring to here. But when we want to blast someone and not bless them, when we want to curse them, we oftentimes do put them on blast, right? And try to create some sort of negative sort of momentum uh, around their life, around their being, around their character, around who they are. And the challenge here is, and I, again, I recognize the difficulty. And again, I, 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 in my own mind, I already have that checklist of excuses that, that is being built up in the gray matter in your mind right now. It's like, but Dave, but Dave, but Dave, but what about when they say this? But what about when they do this? And I can't answer all of those questions for you. The only thing that I can take you back to is, Paul was inspired by God, we believe, to say to the ancient Romans and to us today that for those of us who are receiving persecution, we should bless our persecutors. Whatever that looks like, <laughs> however we do it, amidst all of the kind of objections or excuses we might provide, we don't blast them, we don't curse them, but we bless them. That's the, that, that's the supernatural way. 
The, another aspect to this natural way and, and as, we, as we seek to blast someone is, well, and you guys know, again, this is something we learned very early on. You give it to me, I'm going to give it right back to you. In fact, I'm going to try to raise the stakes a little bit, right? Give it back. Don't take that. Give some to them. Against that, we have the, the scripture saying, and, and you can see here in verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not, do not do that. That's the normal, natural way. That's what we're challenged to not do. But instead, take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. The J.B. Phillips New, uh, New Testament translation of that verse is, see that your public behavior is above criticism. The word there is that you would be seeking to do the good things. That's what the, the word literally means. You would do the good thing. You would do the kind thing. You would do the right thing. When somebody is, when somebody is, when an evildoer is coming after you, you don't give it back to them, but instead you do that which is good. You also do that which is peaceful, right? And check this out. If it is possible, and again, this is completely independent of the evildoer. Do you see that? Do you see that phrase? So important that God inspired Paul to say that. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, not them. Why? Because you're the Jesus follower, not them. The evildoer, that you have zero control over what's happening in their life. There was a time in which in Amy and I's marriage, we we were early on in our marriage, we were in a place of crisis and there was a, you know, we, we found ourselves uh, going through marriage counseling at that time. And I remember one of the things, in it, and it's, it's stuff that it's like a simple principle, but it's something that I think made a real impact on both of our lives. When our counselor said to us, he's like, Dave, uh, you, you have absolutely no control and your focus should not be in any way on who Amy is as a woman, a wife, or follower of Jesus. Your focus has to be on who you are as her husband, as a man of God. And so you, it's not your job to try to change her and Amy, it's not your job to try to change him. It's you are accountable for who you are. And that's the principle here in this verse. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with who? With all. The people that irritate you the most the people that annoy you the greatest, the people with whom you have the most severe disagreement in ideology, live peaceably as far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with them. Be the peaceful person. That's, that's supernatural, man. You can't manufacture that. Some of you are pretty darn good people. I know that. And you're pretty kind people. And you're pretty, you're, <laughs> you're, you have a high level of being able to function in that, re, in that reality. And I know we all build up that kind of filter and we learn how to do certain things in social settings. But you know where your heart is, right? You know where your heart is. You know what kind of emotions are elicited when you see this person on TV, when you have this conversation in the hallway at work or at school or in your own home or in your neighborhood or with your teammate, or somebody who you have some kind of relationship with. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So we don't give it back, but we do the good and peaceful thing. We also don't seek to take revenge in that because that's, again, the normal, natural way. 
The Bible says there, if you, if you see there, beloved, and, and by the way, in verse, in verse uh, 19, when, when you see that word beloved or beloved, um, it's a, 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 the root word of that is, again, from that agape. It's kind of like Paul saying, remember, you are the beloved ones, and so I'm asking you to act out of love. So again, that's that next level love thing that he's challenging us, uh, challenging us with. So, beloved, never avenge yourself. Again, I didn't put all of these kind of like high-level words in here about living peaceable with, living, living at peace with everyone. Where Paul, again here, he says, never do this. <laughs> never do it. Don't seek to avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. So you, you're never called to be that person who avenges yourself. That's not your role. That's not your role. So the, the question becomes, so if I'm not called to avenge myself, if I'm not called to take revenge on the person, people who's doing, who's doing evil, what kind, what's my attitude? The attitude is this, God avenges. It's God's to avenge, we serve. Now different commentators have tried to understand this verse where, where it says this leave room for wrath. There's some debate about what exactly does that mean. Some people have said, you know, that's a, refer, a, a reference to the evildoer that like, let their wrath kind of eat them up. You know what I mean? And, and, and they'll be their own kind of like, they'll be self-destructive. But Paul's inclusion of the, of the quote there from, uh, from the Old Testament, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, seems to indicate that he's talking about God being the one who will avenge. That's his role. Because after all, who's the only one who has the right, who has the proper, <laughs> proper complete and total holiness that would be able to understand who should receive his wrath and who shouldn't? Well, it's going to be God. We can't trust in ourselves for that. So it's not, we don't avenge, but instead, what do we do? We serve them. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If the evildoer, evildoer needs a drink, give him or her something to drink. I think it's not only saying those two specific things, but I think the principle here is what our enemy needs, we actually seek to provide it for them. We serve them. You see, one commentator suggested the overall theme of this was not retaliation, but service. When somebody's trying to hurt us, when there are evildoers you know, that are at work in our lives, what we try to do is serve them, not retaliate against them. So we don't bless them, or we don't blast them, but we bless them. We don't give it back, but we do the good and peaceful thing. We don't take revenge, but we serve them. This, uh, this phrase, uh, this uh, unique thing at the end of this verse that we don't, uh, you know, we're not super familiar with when we, in our, our language, it says, by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. And, and again, that's something that commentators uh, don't have full agreement on about exactly what does that mean. But the, I guess the one that makes the most sense to me is in doing this, there will be in this, in this overabundance of kindness, the idea in, in the heaping burning coals on their heads that it would turn them toward repentance. That they would actually be turned toward God, not away from God because of our response in this abnormal, supernatural sort of manner. The last thing that we find out in the normal, natural way, and here's the irony, is we get crushed. Verse 21 says what? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Have you ever heard that principle that when you are angry, holding a grudge, seeking to bring harm, 
you've heard that principle that who is the person that you're really hurting? Yourself. You see, that's not just a principle of counseling or psychology. That's actually a spiritual principle. When we are living in the normal, natural way, give it back, put them on blast, take revenge, defend myself, be, have, no, have no concern for who they are or the needs that they have, I'm actually experiencing spiritual failure. So I am getting crushed. I'm losing the battle. Because what am I walking in? I'm walking in my flesh. I'm walking in the ways of the world. I'm, that's what everyone does. Jesus says things like, if you can only love those who love you, well, what good is that to you? Even, the, even, even people who don't know me do that. That's the normal, natural way. So when we live in that normal, natural way, we are actually overcome by evil. It wins the battle. The evildoer wins the battle when we respond in the manner that is the normal, natural way to respond to evil doing, to people who are seeking to hurt us. But if we don't live in that, if we resist that temptation to walk in that normal, natural way, Scripture says, overcome evil with good. We experience victory. Jesus says in John 16:33, this same word is used, uh, this idea of overcome. It means to conquer, actually. It's a, kind of a military term. And that in John 16, 33, Jesus said to his followers, I have told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. People will hurt you. People will persecute you. People will say horrible things about you. There will be evildoers that impact your life. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome, same word. I have overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, and because we're filled with his spirit, we live as overcomers. We live as people who can respond to persecution with blessing, who can respond to evil with service, not because it's in our strength to be able to do that, because it's not, but because we're filled with the one who said he had overcome the world and he has given us that victory. Why can we do this? Couldn't we say that it's really living out this verse? We love, which is ultimately what this is saying, right? You could say all of that. What do you do to people who try to hurt you? What do you do to people who are evil? You love them. We love because he first loved us. We live this life of unusual, unexpected, abnormal, supernatural love because that's exactly what God did for us in the person of Jesus Christ. So again, it just comes down to A or B. Normal, abnormal. The natural, the supernatural. There's no doubt that every person in this room has and will in the future at some point most likely encountered people who are evil, hurtful, persecutors of your person. How will we respond? By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that we as individuals and we as a family, a community of believers, would live the Jesus way, would live the way of love, would live the way of his Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Father God, 
this challenge that we've received today, it's pretty straightforward. It's not overly complex. But in its simplicity, it certainly carries with it an incredible amount of weight. We might be dealing with people right now in our lives, God, that we can really relate to the idea of being persecuted, of somebody being evil. Maybe right now, God, we're, we're kind of at our wits end. Maybe we're blowing it. Maybe we've been giving it back to them. Maybe we've been <laughs> even trying to plot a revenge. Father God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that it is not in our own strength, it's not by our own power, it's not with our own personal level of kindness, but instead, God, it might be from the power of you yourself that fills us and that spills over in the way that we deal with difficult people, the way we deal with people who, with whom we have a, a very strained relationship. God, this, this challenge that you have before us, it's, it's, uh, we, we, we can't overstate how much we need you to live through us for us to be able to live this out in the world. So we surrender to you, God. And we pray that you would work in and through us according to your will for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.